Okay, so we're in Matthew 23, and we're going to read verses um, 34 into chapter 24, verse 2. So that will be eight verses. Um, Matthew 23, verse 34, and then we'll read into chapter 24, verse 2. And I'll just say this again, just to maybe prepare your mind again. This is one of the, if not the most scathing sermons right here in the Bible. It's at least one of the most, if not the most. The more I think about it, um, Jesus is uh, really um, laying it down uh, and letting these religious leaders have it and being strongly rebuked for their for letting their nation go the way it's gone and for standing in the way of their nation becoming believers in their Messiah that was standing right in front of them. And very, very strong message. Um, and so, uh, very sobering. Let's look at the end of it here, Matthew 23, verse 34, and then we're going to read a few moments, or at least one moment, that Jesus had with His disciples while He was sitting outside of a, by the temple after He spoke this sermon. Matthew 23, Jesus says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Barachias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not... Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Verse Chapter 24, verse 1 and 2. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. We're calling our, this time in, the, in our message tonight or today, He would if ye would. He would if ye would is the thought today. Um, as I think about this passage and what it, kind of the idea is, where it's going, is it reminds me of... Um, uh, it was actually, I heard this about one of our relatives, a distant relative. Um, when she was a little girl, she was offered a chance to go to, I think it was like the zoo or something, you know. And uh, she was in her home. She was just a little, maybe four or five, I don't know, five or six years old. And um, they said, hey, do you want to go to the zoo? It was like uncle so-and-so and, you know, auntie so-and-so are going to take your, you and your siblings to the zoo. And the mother was saying to, the, to her daughter, do you want to go to the zoo? They're going to come over and pick up the other, your brother and your sister, and they're going to go to the zoo. Do you want to go to the zoo? She wouldn't say anything. 
You're just kind of quiet and thinking. And uh, another hour passed by, you know, and the, the mom said to her, come on now, uncle so-and-so and auntie so-and-so are coming to pick up you and your, your brother and sister, and they're going to go to the zoo. Would you like to go? She wouldn't say anything, just kind of not answering, you know. And again, said it one more time, and then finally uncle so-and-so and auntie so-and-so came. They came to the house. I said, all right, we're ready. And they picked up brother, this brother and this sister, and the little five, six-year-old girl didn't ever gave an answer. And so they, they left with the other two siblings, went to the zoo. Had, and, then, and then the little girl goes up to her and she goes, I, I want to go to the zoo. And she said, you wouldn't give an answer. <laughs> it's too late. You had your opportunity. We asked you, and we were willing, the uncle so-and-so and auntie so-and-so was willing to take you, but you didn't answer it. You would not. It seemed like you didn't want to go. And so she missed out because she didn't speak up and answer affirmatively or even say negatively. Uh, but she certainly missed out because she didn't answer affirmatively. You know, there's things, it's a simple concept, and sometimes people can take it too far one way or too far another. There's a simple concept that we're going to build around today, the concept that uh, he would, if ye would, that is, God would do certain things if we would. Not all things, but certain things God would do if we would be willing and if we would be pliable. You know, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, originally given to Israel, if, talking to this nation, if they come to a point in their history, God says, if you ever get to the point in your history, Israel, where you feel there are plagues and, you're, and you've backslidden from me and I plagued you with um, you know, pestilence and this and that and your economy is plundered, then if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land, God said. If, if you would, I would. Did you know there's, some, um, there's a scripture that says if you be willing to the Jews, he said if you be willing and obedient, you're going to eat the good of the fruit of this land. But if you rebel and turn, basically turn your nose up after me and rebel against me, then you're going to deal with chastisement. Uh, Jesus, when he was speaking to the woman, even the, coming into the New Testament, you say, Pastor, that's Israel, that's not us. That's not us. Okay, fine. Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. He's sitting down with her, and he's kind of getting her attention about water and stuff. She's going, what are you talking about, this everlasting water? And he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that said to thee, give me to drink, you would have asked, and he would have given you, he would have given you everlasting water. In other words, if you ask for this living water, if you ask for this everlasting water, I would give it to you. Do you know the Bible says, that one of the last verses in the last chapter of the Bible says, the Spirit and the bride say, come. That is the Holy Spirit of God and the voice of the bride, that is the voice of the church itself, is saying to the world, come to Jesus. And whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. 
There's a concept in the Bible of, if ye would, I would. Now, let's just, first, let's just do this. Um, well, let me say this before we go back into the text. There are things, it's just a matter of fact, there are things that God has put as promises in His Bible that are conditional upon us taking Him up on or believing Him about. There are things that, there are some things, not everything, but it is true, you can't deny it, there are some things in the Bible that pivot on man's choice. There are some things that God will do if we do. There are some things that God will not do if we do not do. There's things that God has geared that pivot on our choice, and some things, there's, there are some things that God does where it doesn't matter what we choose, He's going to do it. For instance, uh, whatever you see in the book of Revelation, it's going to happen. Okay. Whether we work with God, not work with God, whether we're, it doesn't matter. There are certain things, decrees of God that stand with or without the will of man. Then there's other things He has, he has set up to where it's like, if you do this, then I'll do this. Now notice, let's notice this is what... Um, Israel experienced here, Jesus is bringing it down, his, this whole sermon, we're going we're gonna to look at, what we're going to do is we're going to consider what is happening to Israel, two parts here, we're going to consider what is happening to Israel right here, and then we're going to consider how does that relate with me? So this, this message beginning in chapter 23 verse 1, it's a very hard message, Jesus is a, and it's a climactic moment in Israel with Jesus, he spent three years publicly dealing with all sorts of Israelis and the, and the um, Pharisees. And now it's come to a climax and he's basically, Jesus is basically uh, indicting them for not believing on him. And worse than that, they, were, they had a hypocritical style of religion. He calls them out on that. They were hindering people from believing on him and therefore hindering people from going to heaven. They were um, hurtful to people. Jesus says, you're hurtful to these, you're plundering the resources of these widows, you're hypocrites in your style of religion, you, you act, you speak one way, you act another way, you look one way, but you're actually inside another way. And Jesus said, this is, this is very clear. Jesus, as he's speaking to these religious leaders in this moment, the sermon, this kind of sinners in the hands of an angry God type sermon that Jonathan Edwards preached. As he's speaking this, he also says, verse, look at verse 33, ye serpents, ye generations of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Whoa! And so he's calling out this whole, particularly this, this leadership class, in particular the Pharisees and the scribes, and he, and he picks them, he just picks them apart. And he says, how are you going to escape hell? Look at you. How are you going to get out of this? And then he said, and then he walks through 34, 35, 36, or 7, 38, 39. That's what we read. And he says this to them. He says, um, you, uh, you have this habit of scourging Good people of crucifying good people. Look at verse 34. Behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you shall kill and crucify. Some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. 
He's saying that you have this habit of, of uh, rejecting righteous messengers. You have this habit of muzzling voices of truth. Do we ever have that habit? Do you ever get somebody's telling you something? I'm not saying that you're, 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 you're annoyed at one more commercial on the radio and you turn it off. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody who's trying to tell you a voice of truth. You're like, yeah, yeah, get out of here. Are we, ever, do we, are we the type that kill the messengers? You know? You're mean to the person that gives you the voice of truth. That's how the Jews were. Jesus said you, you have this habit of uh, killing uh, righteous people. And he said, there's a, uh, and then he said, look at verse, this is this classic verse, verse 37. Jesus listened to his lament. This is kind of the focus point here that our message is built around. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. So perhaps he's looking out at him. He's there. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Now notice how Jesus characterizes Jerusalem. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are set unto thee, sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. So Jesus is this, as this brings this message, and he says, I would have gathered all of you all together. I would have collected you all just like a little. Have you ever seen a hen do that? Then You know, the, the little chicks get, yeah, call her, because you probably have some. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the little chicks get disturbed and the hen just, you know, it goes like that and the little chicks come under the wings, you know. And, and you think, oh, isn't that cute, you know. And uh, you, you see that. And Jesus said, how often I would have gathered you all together. Just come on over here. Come on, just come under the cover of my wings. And you would not. Now, let's just think about this. Wait a minute. Jesus showed up on earth 30 years before this. He was born in the manger. Uh, 30 years after his, around 30 years old, he was publicly identified, preached by John the Baptist, started his public ministries. People knew about him. It's almost like he's saying, hey, if you all would have responded to my message, I would have taken you, I would have taken you under, I would have covered you, I would have taken, I believe if they accepted Jesus somehow, some way, he would have already started his kingdom. He still would have had to have been crucified and risen from the dead. That had to happen. But somehow, he would have started his reign with them. I would have gathered you, Jerusalem. I'd, I would have gathered you together and taken care. I would have been your Messiah and taken care of you. And, and we would have dealt with Rome, and we would have dealt with your persecutors. And at first of all, most importantly, I would have dealt with your sin, and he does deal with their sin by dying on the cross. I would have gathered you together as a hen gathereth her chicks under her wings. Now, what stopped him? If he wants to do it, he can just go. Now, whether you want to come over here or not, I'm taking it. He didn't force Jerusalem to be collected under his control. He didn't. He says, I would have done it, but you would not. How oft I would have gathered you together. His aspirations, he expresses for them. And they would not. Look what it says. There's consequences for them rejecting his desire to collect the Jews, to collect the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to take care of them and rescue them from their issues and, of course, again, be their Savior on the cross. But he would have, he would have gathered them together. He would have united the nation, but they didn't want that. Why? Verse, um, 
27 says they had this habit of killing good people. You kill the prophets, he said. He would, but they wouldn't. So there was consequences. Verse 38, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Look at verse 39. Verily I say unto you, shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. I hope you're following this. What Jesus is saying is, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you together, but you did not want to be gathered. You did not want to work with me. You did not want to um, come under my care and believe on me. And so your house, this place is going to be desolate. For 2,000 years, it's not been the greatest place, Israel, or being a Jew. It's been a hard life being a Jew for the last 2,000 years. I mean, how are all their songs sung? Minor key. And that's how it ought to be. That's how it's been. That represents their life. You can't kill them. What I mean is you can't get rid of a Jew because of the promise of God is going to stand on that. He's going to finish a covenant with them. But Jesus says right here, you're, you're, there's gonna, you're desolate. This is your house is left unto you desolate. Verse 20, chapter 24, verse 1 and 2, Jesus indicates to the disciples when they're all, look at that temple building. Look at that temple building, Jesus. You see that temple building? Ooh, the gold and the, the little gems in there and the brick. And ooh, look at that. And Jesus is like, all this stuff's going to get dismantled. Not one stone's going to be left upon another. And it happened in AD 70. It happened whatever, 40-something, less than 40 years later. It happened just as Jesus said. And it was dismantled by, at the time, General Titus, who later became an emperor of the Roman Empire. And they, they plundered that place. And the, Rome, the Roman soldiers were like, hey, we need to get paid. Let's break open all of these stones and whatever it was and peel off their gems. And that's my money. And that's what they did. They broke it all apart. And Jesus, so Jesus, what he said, he has this moment of confrontation with the Jews, particularly with the Jewish leaders, and he says, I would have taken care of you. You didn't want any part of that. So the future's looking a little, the future's looking bleak. It's going to be desolate. But then he also says in verse 39, Verily I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Ah, but they will revive. He says, You're not going to see me anymore, Jews. But when you do see me the next time, the ones that are left on earth, there'll be many that'll die. The ones that are left are going to say, there he is! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And they're going to say that. And there'll be a, the, the, the remaining part of Israel that's left one day in the future will believe on him and say, finally. He was being a prophet there and, and they didn't like it. They were accustomed to killing the voices of truth there as it related to Christ. And so um, for us, when we look at, we're like, oh yeah, pastor, those stubborn Jews, man, that's too bad they missed out on Jesus. Well, a bunch of them are going to die, but a few get saved at the end. <laughs> Wait a minute, we could be like that too. We could be very, um, very unpliable, unbendable, especially as we get older, you know. I know our bodies get stiff as we get older, but our will doesn't have to be. Right? I mean, I got up and I had to stretch. Like, oh, stretch. I, I start stretching, and Charity thinks I'm a playground equipment. She wants to climb on me. Oh, come on, sweetheart. I'm trying to stretch, you know. 
Because I, I feel all stiff, you know. And uh, I know it's only going to get worse, you know. I know you wanted to tell me some medicine or supplement you're taking after church. Go ahead. You can tell me that later. But, uh, but our bodies get stiff, right? But we don't have to have a stiff, stubborn will with God. God, this is how... We, sometimes we get into a rut in our Christianity, and so that as we get older, we think, that's how my life should always look. My life should always go by this routine. What if God wants to change your life? What if God wants to change your address? What if God wants to change your, you know, your job or your ministry mode? We have to be willing. How oft perhaps Jesus was willing to call you to something else. Would you? So how's, when we look at the Jews and their, willing, their unwillingness to work with Jesus, He would, but they would not. What does that teach us? It teaches me, number one, I need to have a disposition of willingness with God. I'm not going to chase a bunch of scriptures, but there's a lot of scriptures that talk about, um, hear my Lord, send me, type of attitude. Number two, here's something that I want to spend a little more time on. How does this, this scene here with the Jews, how does this thing relate to me? Well, it teaches me this thought that I need to consider and embrace God's promises. Consider and embrace God's offers. Again, what is Jesus? What, when Jesus spent three years on earth before, before Israel, he was preaching the gospel, healing people, but he was basically saying, I'm yours, come, come, come to me. I'll take care of you. And the individual people that did, he did. But if the nation collectively did it, it would have been great. History would be totally different. We would have never heard of it, from what I can tell, of a church age. We know there would still would have been a crucifixion and a resurrection, but it would have been different if they said, okay, they, they rejected his offer. So what does that say to me? That says this, as I think of, he would, if ye would, it makes me think of this thought that I need to consider and embrace God's promises. Let me give you some examples. Do you know the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Let's just walk through some scriptures. I'm going to quote some. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, if, if you trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. So therefore, what God is saying is, if ye would have Him direct your path, uh, he, 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 I'm sorry, He's saying, I would direct your paths. If you would trust me with all your heart, if you would not lean on your own understanding, if you open your eyes and acknowledge what I'm doing around you, I would direct your paths. How many of us want God to direct our paths? I do. I don't want to feel like, man, I'm just driving this life by myself. Where am I going? I don't know. But if I trust in the Lord with all my heart, He would direct my paths. He would if I would trust Him. But some of us would not. Eh, I don't want to trust God anymore. One time I had a hard time with God. But He would still, if He would. See, this relates to us where we're at. Now, the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, um, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses burst out with new wine. In other words, God says, I would cause your 
I would cause what you need to have uh, to be plenty. Your barns be filled with plenty. That is, you'll have enough supply. If we're going to believe the Bible, okay, I would cause it. I would, so that your barns can be filled with plenty. Your resources, you'll have what you need if ye would honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. See, that's in the Bible fast. It's right there. It's right there in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord. It's basically saying, hey, man, tithe. Give God the first of the deal. I would if he would, but some of us would, ah, I would not do that. Then don't think he would. Make your barns press, uh, be filled with plenty and your presses burst out with new wine. Don't think he would. Proverbs 8, 17. I love Proverbs 8, 17. The, the Lord says, being personal, the, the image there is the voice of wisdom, which is the Lord himself. He says, I love those that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. He's saying, I would show myself to you. You will find me. You'll find closeness to me. You'll find my way. If ye would seek me early, we should seek God early in our day, early in our, th- in our decisions, and we'll find Him, He says. He would be found if we would seek Him. Isaiah 26.3, it says, Thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because He trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. The Bible says, He would Keep our minds in perfect peace. If I would have my mind stayed on thee, I want peace. I want peace in my home. I want peace in my heart. I want peace in my marriage. I want peace in my peace in my car. I'm driving. I want peace in my in my life. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. He would do that if I would have my mind stayed on him. But some of us would not. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's what God says. So God is saying, I would show thee great and mighty things which you know not. I would do that if ye would call unto me. But some of us, Perhaps would not. But some of us would, too. I am calling on God. And if you call on God and there's a, there's a frequency of prayer, there's a frequency of finding great and mighty things, which I didn't think that was going to work out that way, but look what God did. Matthew 7, 7 says, uh, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Well, then, if I'm going to believe the Bible, then I would have to say, He would open doors unto me if I would knock through prayer. But do we want to knock? Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore God saying, I will add the life's necessities unto you. And that's the context of Matthew 6. Food, clothing, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? God says, you know what? I will add all these necessities unto you. You seek first the kingdom of God. Uh, you take care, put me first, take care of my business, and I'll take care of your business. 
He would if we would. James 1, 5, and 6 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed to and fro. Let not that man think that he shall get anything from God. So the Lord says, I would give you wisdom because I know you're a dummy. You tell me all the time. And I can see that. I remind God I'm a dummy. I would give you wisdom if ye would ask and ask in faith. But some would not. But some would. And I want to be on the wood side here. Jesus, uh, the Lord says in James 4.10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Sometimes I need to be lifted up. He says, I would lift you up if ye would humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. We mentioned about the water of life. I'm going to read, let's read John 4.10. What Jesus would do for the woman at the well. John 4.10. Jesus speaking to this woman about, she's thinking of regular water, he's talking to her about Spiritual water, which is himself, the believing on him as, as his, a person's savior is like having living water. Jesus said in John 4.10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Ask. If a person, the Lord says, I would give eternal life freely. I would give eternal life freely to people. If they would ask, believe, trust, those words that imply, I'm believing on you, Lord, they would. So the Jews rejecting Jesus and like, yeah, we don't, want, we, we don't ha- want to have any part in what you're doing and suffering the consequence for it. Jesus says, I would have gathered you together, but you would not. What does that teach us? That teaches me, number one, to I need to be willing with God. I don't want to be a person who misses out on years of something with God, like the Jews are, because I'm stubborn and unwilling. Secondly, it teaches us, as these scriptures I walk through, it teaches me to read and embrace God's promises. Am I a would or would not on the words of God? I want to be, I want to, I want to, when God has a promise, I mean, read God's promises in context and not take them out and try to place something on you that he didn't originally intend for you. But I want to, I want to read the Bible and I hope you do and say, what is God telling me? Does God have some offers for me? I'm not saying God's like some kind of machine you punch in some special code and say, here's what you're going to do for me. I'm not talking about that. He is a person. God is a real person. And he says, hey, listen, these are my promises for people that trust in me, for people that honor me with their substance, for people who pray, for people who humble themselves, for people who call on me, for people who put me first. I got something. If they'll do these certain things, if they care about what my word says, then I would. But if they don't, then they're going to miss out. And so that's, I, I want to I know 
oh God, I want to know God's promises and I want to not be, I don't want to be the would not before God. I want to be the would. I, I, I would have you to, to, to bless me because I trust you, Lord. I would have you to, to help my barns be what they need to be because I'm honoring you with my substance. And I would have it to where I find you and I know you more because I seek you early. I would have that. I want that. I want that. He says, if that's what you would do, then I would. There's some woods and would nots in the Bible. If you would, I would. I think God puts some things like this in there to just kind of stir us up. Because sometimes people can read the Bible and it's like, mm, that's interesting facts, nice little theology. God's just going to do what he's going to do. And you kind of think God in an academic sense rather than in a relational sense. So, would or would not. And then the third thing it shows us is there's no salvation without a willingness. There's no salvation without a willingness. They did not get saved. Jerusalem was not saved. There was, okay, Jesus, we're going back into Jesus' day. We're going back the week of his passion. He's going to die on the cross. There's a limited number of Jews who believed on him. That's basically the foundation of the early church. But the rest of them, they, didn't, they weren't saved. Their souls weren't saved and their nation wasn't saved. Why? Because they weren't willing. Jesus wasn't going to say, well, I'm going to take care of you whether you want me to or not. No, he doesn't. He, God's not hijacking anybody's will. He's not doing that. He's waiting two, over 2,000 years to wait to see if for Israel to be willing. Just like with our kids, you know, um, I want all my kids to be saved. They've all made a profession of faith, all of them except charity at this point. But I, there's nothing I can force on them. I can't like, uh, you know, there's no baptism. People, people that do sprinkling babies, sometimes there's a theology that says, well, this is going to kind of give them a leg up, <laughs> you know, and being saved. Or this makes them, we christened them. What's that in the Bible? I can't find a verse to stand on for that one. There's no act of the will here with this child. If you're doing this, they didn't choose Christ. You just chose to do a ceremony on them, and you've probably given them a false sense of assurance when they get older. A person needs to say, oh, oh yeah, I see who Jesus is. I want him. I believe him. Jesus be my Savior. And, and exercise that will to be saved. There's no salvation without that. Um. He would if we would. I was thinking of that, kind of trying to find a way to wind this down. Um, for Israel, 2,000 years ago, God was right before them with His plans, but they would not have His dealings. His Word today is right before us. Would I have his, the things in His Word or not? I was thinking of, I remember this um, I remember talking to a guy. This was before I was a pastor. My father-in-law had a missionary come through um, name. Well, I won't tell his name, but he, this guy came through, and he was a nice missionary, and he brought his son with him. His son was probably 20. His son was about 20 years old. And so the missionary came. I think the missionary was from, like, South America somewhere, American missionary down in South America. And my father-in-law had this guy um, 
was actually his first name was Dan. He was a missionary. And uh, so my father-in-law had him for the weekend. The guy spoke. And I remember the man's son. I don't remember the name, the name of the, the missionary's son. But um, I, it was like on Saturday, the Saturday before he and I, he and his son just spent a little time together. I don't remember if I was married already. I think I was married already, young married. But I think I went, took this guy to lunch, the missionary's son to lunch, or we did some visiting or something like that. <clears throat> but I got to know the, this man's son driving around. And he said, yeah, he said, um, again, he was like early 20s, at least 20. He said, you know, I, uh, I'm traveling with my dad now, and I'm just trying to find out what God wants for me, and I feel like he's, he's kind of, um, he's starting to lead me and direct my paths again and, and get back on track, because I used to not be on track. I, I just kind of got off track. I grew up as a missionary's kid, and and I, I just, I don't know all the details, but basically kind of got a little rebellious, got away from the Lord, and um, got a little bitter at God for whatever reason of different things. And he said, I just got away. And then, then, I, then I had some hard times, and my dad just, my dad and I had a good meeting one time. My dad said, listen, um, I know, son, that you, you know, you've gotten off track, and perhaps you're upset at God about whatever this or that. He said, but... I want to challenge you to, to prove God in your life again. And he says, I just want you to do this one thing, son. This is this one thing. I want you to read Proverbs 3 and find every promise in Proverbs 3 that God says. And by the way, there's, I don't know, four or five, something like that. He goes, you look in Proverbs 3 and do every promise. Just stay, Just do that one. And you read it. You believe it and do what it says and see if God does not respond to you or not. And for example, he says, if you trust in me with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, I will direct your paths. If you honor me with your substance, I will pro provide what you need in your barns. If you let not mercy and truth forsake thee, that is, be a merciful and a truthful person, I will give you good understanding and favor in the sight of God and man. He said to his son, you, look, you take God up on whatever promises you find only in that one chapter and see if he doesn't prove himself to you. And again, this, this kid kind of being sideways, backslidden if you want to say, said, all right, I'll do that. I'm going to take up God. He got into, got into his Bible and just said, what, God, I want to know you again. And I see what you said, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days, long life and peace shall they add unto thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thy heart. And he went through the whole chapter and said, All right, God, this is, I see what you're saying. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to try to do that every day. These handful of things. Because this, either this is your word or it's not. <laughs> and he said, you know, and this is what this kid tells me while I'm driving in the, in the vehicle. And he says, and you know, God showed himself to me. I'm trusting him with all my heart. He's directing my paths. I just told you I feel like he's directing my paths again. He's providing what I need because I've, I've been whatever little substance I have, I'm honoring with it. And I realize that if I um, am willing and obedient with God, he proves himself to me in a unique way. And what he just simply discovered is there's certain things if he would do, God would do. And it brought him closer to the Lord and it helped revive his Christian life. It was just a blessing to hear that. 
That was a priceless 15, 30 minutes drive with him to see that. And maybe that's kind of what where you're at today. You're like, Pastor, that's crazy, those Jews. Woo! I'd hate to be them, especially living in 80, 70, having your whole city destroyed. Boy, that's really bad. Yeah, but this, what, their problem relates to the same thing your problem is. They would not with God, and some of our problems go back to no, Lord, instead of yes, Lord, or an unwillingness. So are you like a Jew today? Are you a would not or a would with God? 